Welcome everyone to the Every Other Thursday podcast, where in each episode we bring you suggestions for improving the guest dining experience and our industry roundtable, where we tackle the industry issues of the moment. Every Other Thursday is an approximately 30-minute presentation featuring our industry experts who are never shy about offering up their thoughts and ideas. Every Other Thursday is brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. Tabletop Journal, where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places in the world of hospitality tabletop. Now, here's your host of Every Other Thursday, Dave Turner. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Every Other Thursday. Every Other Thursday, of course, is our bi-weekly podcast where we have a new item, a new concept introduced by Greg Kiris. Greg, of course, has uh, spent many years in the industry in a variety of capacities, but Greg brings us in every episode of Every Other Thursday, Greg brings us a new idea and a new concept to elevate the guest dining experience. Greg, how are you doing today? You got something great for us? Very good. Yeah, I hope so. I, I, have, a, I have an idea. As many of them are, it's quite simple and it's quite old, but I think that uh, there's uh, so much attraction for it. Jay Alley is there. He's joining us today, too, as always. And Jay and I will weigh in. Jay, how was your Thanksgiving, Jay? Very, very good. Had a great time with the family and all the grandkids and everything. everything's doing very well. And everybody's back where they should be. I, yes, out of my house. Out of your house. There you go. That's what I like. I like that part of it as well. So, no, it's uh, it's great to be back. We got a, we're got we going on the full court press from now to the end of the year. There's a lot going on in the food service and hospitality industry. But first and foremost, Greg, why don't you, sh- you know, shoot us out uh, your next big thing and tell us all about it. What is it this week? Well, I've been looking at the industry and we're talking about trends. And I know we're going to be talking more about that. But uh, when we look at what's going on, this, there's this whole artisanal uh, push going on. And that's been going on a long time, but uh, it's kind of being, it's drilling down. So one thing that I was thinking about were uh, 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 products that I've seen at the recent shows, like the last year's NRA show, which are caddies for canning jars, big canning jars, small canning jars. And uh, and because there's this whole push for pickling, preserving, uh, making jams, all this uh, kind of uh, local, homemade, at least uh, whether it truly is or whether you just want to project that image. And these caddies seem to uh, work very well for that. It's a very simple concept, and uh, but 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 a powerful but a powerful message. You know, I, I I like that idea, but those those have been around uh, for a while, as you said. But you know, you see them some places, but you're right. I I think they're uh, they can be uh, used in in more ways than than what I've seen them. And one thing I'm, that jumps into my mind is the one, smaller versions of those I've seen in room service packages in hotels. Some hotels have been in, and then you go to the room and uh, and there's a welcome package there and it's got some jams or jellies or that kind of stuff in there. Sure. I mean, and it could be savory. It could be you know, chutneys. It could be uh, 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 sweet. It could be pickles. And that also feeds right in, if you pardon the pun, to this whole thing about uh, uh, all these uh, uh, small plates and people wanting more flavor, more adventure, um, uh, you know, more variety, and uh, so it, it, the whole the concept works very well. And like I've been saying with a lot of the products we've been talking about over the weeks, it, this is something that 
really uh, that the uh, suppliers of tabletop products can can create a dialogue with the operators with you know because there's so there's the suppliers are, are trying to solve problems and, ch- and challenges and uh, and help the help the uh, operators obviously make a profit and here this thing touches on a lot of touches on a lot of things going on right now yeah, there's nobody really in our industry that uh, embodies the, when I think of Chutney and I think of adventure in the same sentence, I can't help but go right next to Jay Alley. I know, uh, Jay, you're a big Chutney guy, a uh, big adventure guy. Uh, what's your thoughts on on bringing these things to the tabletop? I guess if you're going to bring them to serve uh, a, a condiment that's going to go onto your food or something, that's a, that's probably, that's one of the ways I see it. I mean, the other thing is, I don't know, you see some restaurants where they're, canning their own sauces and then uh, putting them up for sale. Now, whether they're doing that in a restaurant or they have somebody on the outside do it, I don't know. So I, I, I don't know. I know in the farm to table uh, places, you see some of those things for the smaller uh, condiments. Uh, so, so I, you know, I guess, yeah, I, I, it's not something I'm too familiar with. Yeah. You, you know, the other, the other part, you touched on something, Greg, too, that uh, I think uh, it really is timely. And that's this whole idea of fermentation, pickling and, and, and all that. Cause I think uh, people, first of all, there's the, uh, whether it's right or it's wrong, I think there's some health connotations, uh, positive health connotations that go along with that, that concept when it's brought to, uh, brought to the restaurant tabletop. And I think that, um, I, I think that those things uh, are sellable. And, and they also, they, they, they sort of, <clears throat> they bring back a, a, um, a connection to the farm to table. And uh, Jay just made a good point. It's a it's a sample, and uh, and perhaps the operator is selling the products for for take home in those same in those same jars. Good point. I didn't think of that. Yeah, where I've seen them, where I've seen them more probably than any other place is used for, and and it's the smaller ones that are much smaller than a uh, you know a large canning jar. I don't know whether, whether those jars are ten, twelve ounces or whatever but the small ones make a great vessel because of the little handles on them and stuff because they come like that uh for, de- for custom desserts i mean it's uh, to me it's it's pretty cool i mean if they, you, you could feature a custom dessert so many nights a week and you know it's, an, it's a neat vessel to serve it and bring attention to it so like you said dave these things have been around a long time but i don't think they've uh, truly been uh, looked at hard and and i think that their time has come for someone to really you know, to really uh think through what they can do with them. I think there's, a, I think there's huge potential. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. And I think it's a, it's an added value type uh, uh, item that goes to the tabletop. And if somebody's, uh, it could be a, added on as a menu item. And certainly the, the vessels to contain them, uh, the, you know, to put the food in the glass vessels, whatever, those are readily available, I would think, from almost any dealer uh, or wholesaler or supplier. So, so I don't know why more people, maybe it's a size thing or whatever, maybe they just don't think of it, but I think you're right. I think uh, it's an easy item for a dealer salesperson or a supplier of any type to present to the operator. Bring it on. Sure. Yeah. Any, any other comments on that, uh, Jay? No, that sounds, I mean, I think you're, you're, you're correct. I think it, 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 you know, I think it would appeal to the, to the really more creative operators, um, but again, it just depends how they want to use it. They want to use it for a dessert. I mean, I don't know about putting sauces in it and stuff like that. I've never seen it used for that. 
it's certainly worth starting a conversation about them. Yeah, and I, I know that there's some uh, some companies out there, some manufacturers that they've got the wooden caddies, but they also there's plenty of caddies that are wire basket type caddies. Uh, so they're, they're, they come in, in all different sizes. And, and frankly, if for a chain, any kind of a chain of any size, just get them custom made. It's not a big deal to make them right? to to fit exactly what you want, whether it's a, whether it's a, something that will hold two or four or six, whatever you want. And I think there's opportunities for branding on it, and uh, and uh, you know, uh, advertising. You know, it's a uh, it's it's a little billboard if you want. Do you see this? Uh, do you see the the whatever the products are inside these vessels? Do you see them as being menu items that are sold, or perhaps more of a um, you know? You know bread with butter kind of thing i think both all the above all the above i think that it could it could, it could work without with the whole gamut of products the um you know in and, and, and in any case it, it connotes this kind of homemade artisanal local even healthy um kind of uh kind of feeling and uh, I, I think that, that you know, and all those are right on top of, uh, uh, right on trend right now. And why don't you, why, why, is there any reason why you think that we don't see it? Is it just that people aren't thinking about it? Well, I think, yeah, I think that's one thing. And I think that also people, you know, I, I may, might feel that it's downscale, you know, I, I, and, uh, and, and, but there's very high end, um, there's very high end independents that I know of that are doing something similar. So, uh, yeah. And so I, you know, I think that, that there is that kind of like Mason jar canning jar kind of, of uh, image that people might want to stay away from, but I think that they should think about embracing it. Yeah, Cause I think most of most, the most served product in those things that I've seen is beer. The lot. Yeah. The large canning jars. Yeah. Yeah. The, the 12 ounce ones. All right. Well, good idea. Great job again uh, on Greg's next big thing. Good job, Greg. Uh, we're going to take a break right now, and we're going to come back with our roundtable. There's a lot going on, as I said before, and we'll be right back in just a minute. And we've got uh, uh, some stuff that's hot off the presses, and then we want to talk about some of the things that we might see coming down the road in, two th- in, in 2020. So be right back. This episode of Every Other Thursday is brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. For more than eight years, Tabletop Journal has been raising the awareness of just how important Tabletop is to the overall guest dining experience. Using the hashtag Tabletop Matters, Tabletop Journals connected the kindred spirits of the hospitality world all around the globe. TabletopJournal.com, where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places all in the world of hospitality tabletop. Now, back to our podcast. And we're back again now with our roundtable portion of every other Thursday. Of course, in our roundtable, as it is every week, we're here with Greg Kirish uh, and Jay Alley and myself, Dave Turner, your host. And Jay, I wanted something to talk about something. It wasn't on the original schedule, but it was announced over the weekend. Um, and I want to start lead with that because it's uh, something that you and I have had private conversations about. And that is, it was announced this weekend that Acosta, the parent company to Acosta Cornerstone, they have filed for Chapter 11 protection bankruptcy. And my question isn't really so much about Acosta. I'm wondering, I mean, they, they I don't know all the ins and outs of what brought them to chapter 11. But 
the whole issue of these large scale national sales representation agencies, whether it be um, Acosta or the other two major ones, and we'll let them go unnamed for a minute. But why doesn't why doesn't that work? I think for a lot of reasons. I mean, if I were being asked by a company to evaluate whether they're um, commission rep sales force or a company rep reps that a company paid or whatever it is, and we're going to make a decision to go to a large organization like that that does not really specialize in tabletop, my first question would be is, why do you want to do this? My guess is the only reason you, you're going to try to do it is because you think you're going to save a ton of money. And I know that uh, in a very, very big company that went through this and had a, a disaster, one of the things that the uh, this, this large coast-to-coast rep firm pitched them on was, well, you know, we're going to work for less commission. You're going to get much better coverage and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, any CEO that buys into that without doing this investigation shouldn't be a CEO because all the things that we talk about, you know, how can we be better at trade shows? How can we be better doing our presentations to the end users? How can we be more creative? These these big guys, they, it's not in their DNA. They're more interested in putting out a call sheet that they made 25 calls in a day rather than saying, hey, I made two calls and sold two great customers or built three great relationships. And it's Typically, they bring a demand for massive reporting issues. And so when you get into that, not to not to say that some people would tell tales that are not true, but I talked to guys who are more worried about filling out their... Uh, you mean salespeople wouldn't be honest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm more interested in how can I make up 10 sales calls on my daily report sheet that makes some sense. It, it's just crazy. At the end of the day, if you have a high-quality product like I sell, if you're Villaran Bach, if you're Steel, I don't care who you are. You need product professionals that know how to build relationships. You can't you can't buy a one-size-fits-all company that goes coast to coast, and and they're gonna you know they're just gonna make it happen. I mean, they, first of all, they never they never have enough product knowledge. Uh, I don't know. It's really kind of scary because there's been a lot more than this last disaster that you talked about. I mean, there's been four or five that I personally have seen them with my own eyes. It's, it's crazy. Well, a, a question I don't know the answer to, and maybe you do, Jay, maybe uh, Greg, you, you have some thoughts on this as well, is Acosta was both food and non-foods. In certainly they were, they were, I mean, with 30,000 salespeople nationally, they were into heavy into retail grocery and a variety of other categories, but even within the food service and hospitality and, they did both food and non-food items. Acosta Cornerstone was, I'm guessing, a rather small part of what they were Yes, they didn't get traction in the non-food, but why wouldn't they get traction in the food side of it? You mean why wouldn't those? Why wouldn't they get traction? In it? I mean, maybe they do. I don't, maybe they do. I don't know. But 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 you have two other big big large national competitors, and I don't know that they're doing tremendously better either. I mean, I don't know that they're not, but I don't get that impression that they're just they're just going taking the market by storm, and certainly not in food, not not in tabletop. Yeah, if you look at a food company, and I don't know a whole lot about them, but I mean, to me, it's I mean, take a look at the big tabletop and smallwares dealers that we talk about. Within those super professional organizations, you got groups of people that gravitate toward equipment. Uh, big stuff, in, you know, walk-in freezers, big ranges, designing kitchens. Then you got another group of people in this in that same company that specialize in paper products and chemicals. And then you got there's always, you know, if it's a 50, 60 person sales force or even bigger, there's always five, 10, 20, 25 people that are tabletop specialists. So they kind of all seek their own level. So to think you could take all of that diversity and just paint it with a white, you know, white can of paint and think it's all going to work. I, I 
it, 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 so far, it, it's I don't know anybody that's been really successful doing it that way. I mean, now it's a different story if you're if you're a big company and you say I'm going to hire all my own company paid salespeople. That's a different issue. But you know, and, and then typically they're used to making eight, nine, ten sales calls a day. And to me, I've seen some of these people go in. I mean, sales call that they might make might be hi, Joe. Hi, Chef. I'm 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 here to see you. How you doing? How, you know, how much do you how many how much do you need napkins or chemicals or, or dish soap today? That's not selling. That's just writing. That's just a, you're being an order taker. And what about uh, what about I'll call them if if uh, we're talking about three large coast to coast to use your term um, sales and marketing organizations? What about the the, the large regional ones? Because there's several large regional ones out there as well. Do those work well? I my 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 guess is they work better than the coast to coast ones. I mean, there's a group in Chicago that's a massive rep firm. They do equipment. They do small ways. They're very successful. But if you look at the kind of people that they hire, they're specialists and they're trained well and they're informed by the factories that they represent. So uh, the ones that I experienced, uh, they, they sailed in and thought that they were going to you know, just walk up and, and write orders. And it just doesn't work that way. Matter of fact, it's getting tougher and tougher. Uh, you've got to be more creative. You've got to be a, a good uh, relationship builder. It's just different than selling commodity products. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to say that it's degrading to sell dish soap, but how much are we going to talk about here? Well, I, I, I uh, Jansan, uh, or were you dish soap, uh, w- which would be part of that category, I would think. Um, to me, that the higher, much higher uh, velocity replenishments than there would be on tabletop uh, or front of the house items. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 where does all this go? Uh, does it mean that um, you know people, uh, the large national firms, are going to stick to retail grocery? Well, let me ask you this question: Do you think a you think a national group like that's going to going to be uh, ever talking about uh, mason jars or bone marrow spoons or the next new widget? They can't even get their arms around the traditional stuff. Okay, then let's go the other way. Does that open the door for small specialty uh, people like? Uh, and, I, and one that comes to my mind right off top is JB Prince. They've got those specialty items. Uh, they they'll they'll ship them to you as fast as they want, and maybe that's uh, you know JB Prince out of New York. I mean, I don't know that that type of a company. All I'm saying is is people that uh, are going to be successful doing non foods. My my opinion, and and take away the chemical and paper side of it. I mean, even that's a non food item, but I still view that a little bit differently. But if you're going to sell tabletop. You have got to become a specialist. You got to know what you're talking about. I mean, you just can't just walk down the street with a catalog smiling and, hey, chef, do you need any dinner with it today? That isn't going to get it. Well, this is this is something that we've been talking about over the last, uh, touching on it over the last episodes, is that we're we're talking about cultivating ideas, creating dialogue, you know, being a specialist, taking ideas and knowledge to the operator, and you know that takes time and it's effort and effort. You know, I'm not trying to make it sound uh, it's overly simplistic it's hard it's hard work and it all depends on how how much uh, someone is going to invest in that and how much patience they have uh, like I think Jay said you know like Jay saying you're just not going to walk in and start taking orders it's it's something that you have to be realistic about and uh, and and think about and that's what that's kind of what those are the kind of ideas that we're we're presenting uh, here over the last several um, episodes, ideas that create dialogue that are trying to be on trend. But let's face it, we know that nobody's just going to, you know, you know, say, you know, say, throw up their arms and say, you know, hallelujah, the minute you walk in the door. 
Yeah, I, I think that we've talked about it a lot, uh, and that is that uh, uh, the landscape at all levels in the hospitality uh, and uh, food service business is changing, whether it be in the operators consolidation going on there with hotels and restaurants consolidating or it be the supply chain people. We see that with the large national dealers and even international dealers all being bought up and emerging with, uh, with, you know, uh, to, to get greater scale. And, and now, uh, when you get into the, the, the manufacturer, and I'm putting up air quotes, you guys can't see them, but, um, when you, when you think about manufacturers going to market, um, I wonder what the future of that's going to look like and who will be then your frontline ambassador and how will people find out about your products? And because sending that salesperson in, although it's the most effective, single most effective having company salespeople, it's also one of the most expensive parts, ways to go to market. Well, you, you, but you're talking about, I mean, a lot of people are going to have to become their own ambassador. I mean, factories are going to have to do more and more to help the, the tabletop and, and small wares distributors be successful by telling the story as much as they can alongside them or, or in front of them and then driving the sale to, to the dealer that brought them to the dance or whatever. I mean, it, it, it's crazy because I think I think this coast to coast thing, I can tell you, I won't, of course, I won't mention any names, but a, a great tabletop guy in New England. Been selling tabletop, worked for me for a bunch of years, did really well with the crystal, other things. Typical guy, flatware, China, crystal, da da da. Went with a company like that, sold his rep for him to the company. And so they had to, you know, kind of, you know, now you sold me a company, we paid you, we're going to keep you on the payroll for a year or two, but you're going to have to, you're going to do it our way. It comes around to that pretty quickly. And I, I would talk to this person periodically, he'd say, Jay, I spend, I'm up at seven in the morning, I'm on the road, I start making my sales calls and, and doing my visits, you know, planning my, my trips. On average, just the reporting, the increase in reporting of useless information in many cases took this person on average four hours a night and six hours on the weekend to complete the forms that these people wanted them to fill out. But that's the, that's the whole thing is reporting back, giving a, I mean, the, the sales pitch from that side is about, um, consistent coverage, consistent sales approach, and then uh, metrics coming back to the the manufacturers about where those calls. Because one of the big one one of the big concerns it seems that manufacturers have these days is they spend all this money. However, they go to market. However, they go to market, spend all this money, and then and they're never sure if they get any ROI on it. Well, that's because a lot of the manufacturers are dodos. I mean, the situation that you're pointing out there, I completely agree with. But by the way, there's only one way to solve that. Get your butt out of your VP office, pack a bag, pack your catalogs and priceless and business cards, and go work shoulder to shoulder with your independent reps. We talked about that in a couple episodes ago. That's what, yeah. I mean, we talked about how can you get more people at trade shows. I mean, do some of these guys think because they work for a big rep organization, coast to coast, all they're going to have to do is send out a card and say, we'll see you at the show. Great. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, that's about as exciting as watching paint dry, but that that's the problem. I mean, I've, I've managed a lot of sales forces. You want a sales force to sell your goods, educate them so they know enough about the product so they can answer basic questions, then support them when they need a call and get a real professional answer on a, something about your product they may not know for no reason other than unless you work for the company or the factory. It's something you might not know. But I, unless you get out there and get on the street with these folks and help them, I don't know, I don't know how else uh, – if you're not doing that, how do you even know what kind of a sales force you got? You think, I mean, it's like we just talked about, you know, you know how easy it is to fake a sales report? I mean, 
find the hat. You know, I mean, that's that's like faking an expense report. It's you shouldn't be doing it. But if, if you're an old pro, you, you know what I'm talking about. So that that's not you know, if, if you got salespeople on the road where the sales are not coming in, you got to get out there and find out why. That's it. Greg, what, let me ask you a question, Greg. You spent a good deal of time in the coffee segment to going into the hospitality category. How does that market, how does the coffee business, how do coffee suppliers go to market? It seems like the pendulum keeps on swinging back and forth. So, I mean, I, I go back in the food service business about 40 years. And, you know, you had direct sales. And then all of a sudden, then you had all these um, uh, uh, brokers. And then the brokers had power, and then it became, uh, and then it went to distributors, and then it went back to direct sales, and it just, it just, it just keeps on kind of cycling back and forth. And nobody, it, it, and nobody, it's like in waves, and nobody really finds the. I don't think there is a perfect solution to say that. Well, that's a great, but that's a great product, Greg, to talk about because let me, let me ask you this: you, you're selling a coffee that's a unique, highly developed product, and where people put all their passion and, and they know about the ingredients. How many people go into an operation to show the operator how to brew that coffee correctly so that he gets the best result out of it, sells more coffee? I mean, that to me, I mean, I don't know anything about the coffee business, but to me, it'd be a demonstration heavy business. And if you're not doing that, what do you do? Just show up and I can save you two cents on a pound of my stuff. Why don't you try it? I don't know. And I can, yeah, I mean, you're right. Coffee is a good example. I mean, I could talk about it all day and, and, and what's going on there is that, um, is that, uh, you know, coffee is, is, is the last thing a lot of times people have at the meal. So that's what's the last thing image. And uh, that's important. It's, it's, it's yep. important. And there's all these nuances. And it is something that somebody has to get in there and talk about and uh, romance, if you will. And, the, you know, and then they talk about coffee pairings with different foods and different cuisines, and how to brew it. It is, it is. There's so much to it. And so, again, what we're talking about is, is, uh, is you know this is not a quick sale this is something that takes time and effort and patience and nobody wants to hear that that's the way it works and and you know and if you're just going to hire some reps and you think that they're okay now i just got i got arms and legs it just doesn't work that way yeah it's exactly correct and dave dave and i have talked about this i mean i i've spent half hour to an hour an hour and a half maybe talking about just why you should buy this port glass if you're not using the port glass for your, for your, for your better stuff or, or how, you know, how are you doing with your martini pour? If you can't fill it to the top where martinis drink is expected to be filled to, maybe you should buy a slightly smaller glass as long as you're not making it look like a chintz of the customer. Those are all little nuances. I mean, coffee business is going to be the same thing. I mean, you got to, if you go in there as a sales rep and you can show them how they're going to sell a whole lot more coffee by brewing it properly, using the right filters. I mean, I could think of a million ways and I know nothing about the coffee business. No, no national firm is worried about making 15 sales calls a day is going to do that. Therein lies your, the real crux of the problem. Boy, don't get me started, Greg. You come up with these great ideas. <laughs> it, 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 it is simply amazing to listen to this conversation and <clears throat> hear uh, about every, every layer of our business is under, undergoing enormous change. And um, whether whether you've got uh, multi-unit operators uh, that are either expanding or contracting, depending upon who how successful they are, um, and you've got supply chain people, uh, and I don't know the the food and beverage supply chain as well as I know the non-food, obviously, but 
it just seems like the, the the supply chain people in our industry, they're also undergoing tremendous amount of change and consolidation. And then finally, what you know, the poor manufacturer, the, the original supplier, whether it be coffee or whether it be Chinaware, uh, they're left to figure out how do I get my products onto uh, the tabletops of these restaurants? How do I get my products into service in the hospitality industry where there's how many thousands and thousands of uh, hundreds of thousands of doors to knock on out there? Amazing times. Yeah, you can't be in too much of a hurry. I mean, otherwise you're just spinning your wheels. I mean, it, you know, getting back to the coffee thing, I mean, someone might say, or, or the pork glass thing, someone say, well, how can you spend that kind of time? How does that, how does that really pay off? Well, the thing is, if, if, if an operator has enough uh, confidence in Greg because he really came in and he showed him how to brew it. He showed him what to do. It worked. All of a sudden, he, he, he's selling more coffee. Is it because Greg's coffee is so much better? Maybe. Or maybe because he's just doing the process better because somebody showed him how to do it or whatever. So now Greg walks away and he goes and sells and sells. And now Greg comes in with another product, another new product that's related to coffee. Because he helped that operate, he's probably got a really great chance to call him up Joe and say, hey, Joe, I got a new product that's going that's, you know, to support our coffee business. Can I come in and show it to you? He's going to, the guy's going to say, sure, absolutely, because Greg's a resource. These guys that just walk around with catalogs in their hands that can't answer a question, what kind of a resource is that? That's exactly the premise that I think that are, are the products we talk about every week. They, they, a lot of it is it, care, it whether or not the operator takes it on, it, it creates a meaningful dialogue. There's something real there to be talked about. The, 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 the uh, tabletop supplier is bringing uh, valid ideas. It goes back to it goes back to a very important part of your company, Mr. Turner. Tabletop matters, and so does knowing about tabletop matter. Don't come into my restaurant and insult me because you don't know what a fish fork is, let alone a bone marrow spoon. You couldn't even find that. Get out of here. <laughs> to me, it's a, a a much larger issue than just uh, whether Acosta Cornerstone was successful at selling. Um, you know, non-foods or tabletop items. I think it's the whole issue of how <clears throat> coffee manufacturers, how flatware manufacturers, how glassware manufacturers will go to market in the next five years or, you know, or even three years for that matter. How, what will be the best and right way and most efficient way for any particular manufacturer, whether it be a food item or a non-food item, what's the best way to get their products sold and get it out into the food service and hospitality marketplace here in North America. I, I think that's a, that's, that's a, a big question, my friend. It is an enormous question. And I'll tell you what, it just got more complicated this morning with this, with this announcement. And the answer is kind of all the above. It's all depends upon the chemistry of between the manufacturer and uh, who, and who's selling, whether it's direct sales or brokers or distributors or what or, you know whoever is like you know okay how what how is the communication working are the people in the field actually uh, are, are they are they understanding are they under, do they understand the product do they know the nuances do they know the issues and the challenges of the operator and you know and all those people can solve the problems but but uh, have the potential of solving the problems but do they good question it is probably just as many answers as there are manufacturers bringing their product to market. This has been a great conversation because it, one thing that you think about, think about the amount of time that a, a quality restaurant operator, most of the kind of people that run restaurants where my product will fit or you know a, an, an upscale coffee product will fit or 
super quality meats, those people put an enormous amount of time in it. Then when they go to start to pick what's going on top of their table, what kind of, you know, what kind of pans am I going to use? Am I going to use all clatter? Am I going to use it, you know, something from China that cost me three bucks for a pan? You know, so if you're, if you're trying to sell them anything and you come in there and you're not a knowledgeable person about your own products and, and you can't quickly evaluate what kind of a person you, you're dealing with face to face so that you can right away, the person thinks, well, this, this person that's talking to me in my restaurant could be a real resource. He seems, seems he or she seems to know what they're talking about. That's the thing I think these big guys miss. They just can't, and they thought, well, I made five calls, 10 calls yesterday. If I make 20, maybe I'll do more business. No, you're just going to use a lot more gas. Oh, good stuff. And, and you're right. I think this conversation could go on for hours. And, and I'm sure we'll, this will not be the last time that we talk about it. And uh, the other topic that I wanted to bring up today was talking about food trends for 2020. And, uh, and, uh, but I think what we'll do, we've got one more episode of every other Thursday before the year end. And I think we'll save it all for then. So uh, gentlemen, be forewarned, get your uh, predictions ready for what's going to be hot in 2020. Okay. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it as right. And I want to thank you, the listeners for joining us this week on every other Thursday. Uh, We'll be back in another two weeks with another uh, interesting conversation, and we'll have another of Greg's next big things. Tell your friends and family. (laughs) Tell your friends and family. This is Dave Turner, and I want to thank you all for joining us on this episode of Every Other Thursday. This episode of Every Other Thursday has been brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. For more than eight years, Tabletop Journal has been raising the awareness of just how important Tabletop is to the overall guest dining experience. Using the hashtag Tabletop Matters, Tabletop Journal has connected the kindred spirits of the hospitality world all around the globe. TabletopJournal.com, where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places all in the world of hospitality tabletop. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of Every Other Thursday. You can learn more about Every Other Thursday by visiting our website, EveryOtherThursdayPodcast.com.